Hey everyone, Tommy V from 81 Real Estate. We got another amazing special guest. Uh, we actually connected on social media, but it turns out our stories are kind of the same. It's another healthcare worker that got burned out and started to use real estate to work her way towards financial freedom. Uh, she was working as a nurse. Uh, she's in the military now in the reserves, and so she'll probably touch on that a little bit. Um, so as we come into Memorial Day weekend, we always like to honor and thank all of our service members. And I know how much they hate it, <laughs> uh, but, you know, still a very, very, very cool and special thing to do. Uh, so now Katie is trying to help other people um, come on her journey uh, to reach that, reach that financial independence. Because what we're seeing is that in the healthcare sector, not a lot of people are talking about uh investing and making backup plans and thinking about the future because our job is so present focused. This person's coding. This person needs meds. This person needs water. And so it keeps us very grounded, present, that it's very hard to work work through those future problems because you can't <laughs> you can't see them. Uh, so, so yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to kind of chat and like just combine our healthcare minds and kind of spread the word about financial freedom and real estate investing and all sorts of stuff. So my name is Katie Newman. I am a been an ER nurse nurse for the past nine years or so. Um, and like you said, we met on social media, like probably like a few months ago. I only started my real estate social media, I would say eight months ago. Um, and I, like you said, I was a nurse for, I'm, I've been a nurse. So what can I say? People are always like, are you a nurse still? And I'm like, I still have my certification. Like it still counts, right? Yeah, still um, yeah. So been a nurse for about nine years, been in healthcare, probably since I was about 20 years old, um, started EMS stuff in college. And so that's how I kind of got enthralled in the healthcare space. And since then, um, I was just kind of grinding it out in the hospital, doing all that sorts of stuff and and never had any idea about passive income, no idea about kind of real estate. Um, my older brother has done real estate, but I kind of had no idea because I was just so enthralled with healthcare. And that was only where my mindset was um, until a few years ago when I kind of came across real estate and heard about passive income and was like, what is this? Like, I'm a little burnt out at what I'm doing and like, I can't do this forever. And so like kind of what's my next step? Um, and so that's kind of how I got to here. And then that's how we kind of connected because I made a social media eight, nine months ago. You've had your social media and kind of, I think there's been a, a little, little ripple in healthcare workers in social media right now talking about financial freedom and investing in passive income that I think is evolving and it's super exciting to see. So that's kind of a short and sweet version of kind of how we got here today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, just a couple talking points that last time we had a call that we were talking about was how there's really this pre-COVID and this post-COVID world that that I think maybe a lot of healthcare providers had the pandemic not come, they would just keep working. They're not looking around to other career opportunities. They would have just kept working. But now we're mm -hmm. in this, this post-COVID world where the world is a lot smaller because of things like Zoom and online and and people really had to be intentional with connecting with other people that it's really raised, raised awareness of some other opportunities out there. Um, so what was kind of, so did you make a sharp transition into just quitting your job and doing real estate or did you kind of do more of a hybrid um, kind of kind of adding that to supplement your income? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, so my story, I feel like it's kind of, um, I feel like I've just forever been a PRN nurse, even though I've never been a PRN nurse in a sense where, you know, when I first started nursing, I was like 23, 24. And I, you know, I was those per that person where I had one job. I took a trip to Mexico for seven days by myself because I had four or five, six days off. And 
it got to the point where I was like, well, like, why don't I just quit and live off my PTO for a little bit? So I quit kind of after a few years in the ER and for two months, I just like lived in the summer off my PTO, just like put a couple grand on my credit card and just traveled. And I was like, I was already kind of burnt out at that point. I think you make a great point. Pre-COVID and post-COVID are absolutely different, but I think healthcare is, has been the same since I've been in it in a sense of it's overstaffed, like understaffed, we're overworked. There's hallway beds before COVID. I was deployed overseas to Kandahar, Afghanistan during COVID. I had no concept of what was happening in the United States with COVID. Deployed overseas to an ER trauma hospital, um, was there for a year. We got extended. And so COVID happened when I was over there. And then we came back to America. Wow, and I was like, no that's nuts. <laughs> so like things happened over, like we didn't have any COVID over there when we were, like we definitely had oh, restrictions, wow. like probably two months after COVID actually kind of hit America. So like we had no lockdown. We had no like nothing really. And so when coming back to America, I was like, this is, this is an upside down world. Right. And I was like, there's no way I'm going back to the hospital. Like there's gotta be something different. So I started to do non-bedside stuff. I did research for COVID vaccines, which was cool. And then I was like, there's no way I can be a nine to five person. Like, you know, doing 12 hour shifts. I was like, there's no way I can be a nine to five person. This isn't fun anymore. And I think being on deployment gave me a realization of like, there's gotta be more to life than just like working a job to work it and retire in 20 years. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess, where the precipice of me starting to think about passive income or real estate started. Um, Cause I was making this money on deployment and I was like, what am I going to do with it? Like, you know? And so I, I read rich dad, poor dad on a Kindle, like outside. And I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. And then I read a little more financials and I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me start putting this deployment money into, you know, um, like an ETF fund or something. And then when I came back home, I was like, that's when my bug with real estate and passive income really got started. And I bounced between jobs still. I quit and I was like, let me coach. I coached a basketball team, strength and conditioning coach, a high school boys basketball team for a summer. I um, did, oh, I did a school nurse job for a little bit. Cause I was like, maybe I can start like coaching at the school and just working with high school kids. So like, it wasn't a harsh, like I'm going to quit forever, but I've always dabbled in like different things. Like I've always had two or three different jobs. I knew nursing wasn't like my ultimate dream job. Uh -huh. Um, so I always was trying to figure out like, where do I get extra money? Like, where do I some do, do something that I enjoy over just being so burnt out and so overworked? Yeah. I think that really striking that balance between what do I enjoy versus what's going to pay the bills versus what am I good at finding that mm -hmm. overlap? That's something that um, I believe Jim Collins talks about in good to great. That yeah. sweet spot of what are you good at? What pays the bills? And you know, what do you enjoy? And if you can mm -hmm. find that sweet spot, then you're set. So it sounds like for you, kind of the real estate investing, social media, coaching, awareness, like all those kind of things kind of fall into that category. So it sounds like a good fit. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Interesting that you like skipped COVID. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember being over there and we saw CNN and we were like, Oh, like this is interesting. Like what, what's happening over there. And then like all these people were like, Oh, it's locked down. We can't do anything. We need masks. And we're just like, what? Like, are you, are you sure? Cause like the base is, you know, it's locked down. Like it was only a few miles. Yeah, nobody's wide. coming so, or like, going anyways. No one's coming or going. And we were actually responsible over there to, um, 
uh, basically patrol anyone coming in and out in a sense of like healthcare space. So like anyone that had any symptoms, we did the whole quarantine thing over there. It was kind of wild, but like we had zero COVID cases because clearly it's like a base over there. And um, so then coming back home and, you know, seeing everything online and my friends were still working bedside and I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I was like, that's not for me anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I got, so as a physical therapist, I graduated in 21. So it was on the tail end, um, but I did do acute care and I got put in the COVID ICU or on the COVID, you know, med surge floor quite often. So wearing the N95 full, full oh, get yeah. up all day and then coming home to a newborn baby. I was just like, yeah, well, oh, geez. So that's what spurred us to do travel contracts because mm -hmm. our baby got COVID at 11 weeks old. And oh, wow. I said, we, we can't do this. So we moved into a camper and we went to like rural Kentucky mm -hmm. out regular outpatient clinic. Very yep. apparently COVID doesn't exist in Kentucky. Like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. Right. But yeah, we were just like, we, okay, we got to change something. Cause yeah, things were crazy. Jeez. Mm -hmm. um, All right. Yeah. So, so, so we had the COVID, we came back, still kind of bounced around jobs a little bit. And then when did you, how were you able to purchase your first property? Were you able to save up enough to buy cash or did you do financing or because of the military, did you use a VA loan? I lived in an $800 a month apartment. Like I had no real estate before. So I had no overhead paying for when I was over there, luckily. And so I basically stashed a bunch of my cash into a Vanguard fund because that's what Simple Path to Wealth book said. And I said, this is perfect. It's super easy. Like if you're talking to me, like your 18 year old daughter, like I'm going to follow whatever you tell me. So that was a really, really huge financial book that helped me as well. So if anyone's kind of wondering where to even start financially, the simple path to wealth is an amazing book. It just tells you like, Hey, if you're a 20 year old and or you're 30 year old and you'd want to like learn X, Y, Z of financing, like just that's what that's what I did. I just put all my deployment money mostly into there. And so when I came back home, I was like, all right, I need to get a job and I need to probably start getting into real estate. So I, I found bigger pockets and I think I found the rookie podcast before I found the bigger pockets podcast. And I was listening to that and it was right when it came out, I think like super early episodes. And I was like, Oh, this sounds doable. And I started experiment and I, I had got a job in DC and I was like, okay, cool. I'm not paying, I calculated it out and it was going to be over like $60,000 in like rent spent if I moved up there and just rented. And I was like, no way. I'm not blowing all that money just for like a contract job. And I was like, well, I can live basically where I grew up. My family is still around there. Why don't, why don't I just buy a property? So I used the VA loan and I had to just bring $5,000 to the table after it, cause it was 0% down. And then I got some closing costs covered. Um, so with the VA funding loan and or funding fee, whatever that is, um, I basically had like five or six grand and I was able to get a $300,000 two bedroom, one bath condo. That's about 15 miles South of DC. Um, and I was like, this will always be able to be rentable. It's, it was in a neighborhood that I knew of that I was aware of. And I was like, you know what? Like I need a job and I need to move there now. So like, this is what I'm going to buy. And I got like a two, 2.37%, you know, interest on it. And I was like, Gucci, let's go. I was like, I know this will be rentable. I know this is a good move. And so like, for me, that's kind of what I started out buying for um, my primary residence. You lived there for a little while. And then mm -hmm. did you move out and make it a rental behind you or you still yep. own the house? So I still, so I, I mean, I still own it. So what I did was I was living there. I lived there for the last two, two and a half years or so. And in the meantime, I 
this is how I kind of start diving into real estate. I was like, cool. Like I'm paying my own mortgage, not like someone else's, but I still want to like, (laughs) yeah, I still want to get into real estate. Right. And so, um, I knew that I was always wanting it as a rental. And so I turned it into an MTR to some travel physical therapists in March of this year. And I actually got lucky. I got a six month contract out of them. And I was like, so I'm cash flowing about like 650 bucks a month off of it. Um, and I just left my furniture in there. I just took all the good stuff out. So like my personal things, my kitchen appliances where I was like, I don't want this to break. Um, but I left like simple stuff in there. Basically all of the furniture I really had was like from Facebook marketplace anyways. And so it's not like I'm like, Oh my God, this is my dream home. It was like, I know this is going to be a rental. I know it's going to be worth something in the future. Like why not? Um, and so I have them renting at least until September. Um, And then, yeah. So that's kind of the story of how I turned my primary into an MTR. Just for folks that maybe don't know, MTR is a medium term rental. And typically it's going to be fully furnished and uh, contracts of 30 days or greater, typically 30 days up to one year. Because when you start hitting one year, that's going to be like a long term rental. The medium term rental has a lot of advantages on one stability. (laughs) less turnover. Um, If somebody Mm -hmm. comes in and is renting the place for three months or six months versus an Airbnb where someone's there for, you know, two, three nights or a week, you're going to do a lot less cleanings over the course of a year. Um, Also in a medium term rental, typically your furniture and your amenities do not have to be as luxurious as nice because most people are coming to work. They're looking for somewhere safe, quiet, you know, cozy to, to, to sleep. They're not looking to have a bachelorette trip or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you don't have to put as much upfront costs into the furnishings. And then the, a lot of HOAs or condos or things like that prohibit short-term rentals. And by definition, short-term rentals less than 30 days. So sometimes you can kind of bend that rule and get around it a little bit by doing a medium term rental. Um, so yeah, are there any yeah, other? Which is, that's what I did. I um in my HOA fees stuff like and you know it's got a pool. The I don't pay water. It's all through the HOA fees, and so the only the only overhead I pay for is like electric and internet, which uh-huh. is basically all. You don't need to kind of have all these crazy amenities in your MTR as long as it's like nice, comfortable, and safe. Those are the top three things that I think you should look out for when when looking to get an MTR and or transitioning your primary or something into an MTR. Um, but in my HOA condo like association packet or something, they um, prohibit kind of anything under like a three month or a six month term versus like unless you get approval. So it's either a read your guidelines and or just talk to the HOA people. And I'm sure that, you know, depending on the scenario, like, listen, this is for a travel person. This isn't for someone throwing a party, you know, kind of stuff. Um, You can just kind of get approval. But yeah, just make sure you read. And a, a big tip too is um, if you're looking for properties that you're like, okay, cool, I want to buy this as a primary and I want to turn it into an MTR potentially, make sure that you get the HOA guidelines to your agent or they can read it prior to purchasing uh. because um, I had asked an agent one time, I was looking at a place, I was like, hey, like, can we get the by- the bylaws real quick to check out? And he's like, okay, cool, like, let me ask the seller. And the seller's agent sent it over and it was actually found out that they prohibited it at all. So that was going to restrict me for my like exit strategy. So just as like a quick tip, you know, make sure that you're reading anything with condos, HOAs, like bylaws kind of thing while you're in your, either your due diligence period and, or prior to even putting an offer in, because if you know, Hey, I want this as a strategy and it's not working, then like, don't waste your time. 
Right. And you want to know that on the front end. And that's kind mm -hmm. of what me, Katie, there's several others kind of in this real estate space is we're trying to say, okay, what questions, how can we do better prep work before we buy that first purchase and not just make that first purchase an okay purchase or even a bad purchase? How do we make it a great purchase? Because if you nail that first property and you start that snowball rolling and you start that momentum, your real estate journey is a million times easier. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. So that's an awesome pro mm -hmm. tip. Like get the HOA, get the rules, find out if you can't do a short-term rental or you can't do a medium-term rental, or there's percentages of, we can only have 10% rentals in the whole community. Like yep. you got to know all those things on the front end. And I had no idea when I first started and I was like, what? Luckily, like luckily I uh, lucked out and it, it worked, but I had no idea. And so I kind of learned in the next time when I was looking for my next property, like, okay, cool. Like this is an HOA. Like what are the restrictions? Can I read it exactly. prior to even putting an offer in? Exactly. Um, and it saved me a bunch of time. Bunch of time. Because if you put down in it, if you put it in an offer and then you're probably going to lose that deposit, that earnest money, you know, exactly. there's a lot of variables there. Right. Good. Goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. All right. So we, so we kind of talked about the healthcare burnout, talked about kind of getting started pro tip for medium term rental. I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that is different between uh, nursing and physical therapy, kind of occupational therapy, those other domains is the student loan piece. And we touched on that right. briefly when we were on the, the phone last time, because you were like, wait, student loans, because <laughs> nursing, <laughs> right. nursing still being a four year degree. If you work through school and you go to, you know, in-state tuition, you can probably squeak out with of undergrad with no loans or a small amount that you pay off easily. And so I'll share with Katie, okay, us PTs over here, we're coming out with 150, 180, 200K in loans. Mm -hmm. so we have a little bit more of a fire under our butts to make some moves. Great, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I think that's one huge advantage where the huge advantage that nursing has is if you come out with a little less debt, little less, you know, expense on your bottom line, you can be more aggressive and you kind of take more risk. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really great point, especially from, so from the nursing standpoint, I remember, so like, I remember when I was in high school applying to colleges, I was, I was like, I got to go to the best college because people are going to care where I went. No one gives a crap. And I think for nursing, it's so eye-opening. I had no idea. And I went to nursing school for my second degree. So I had already had an undergrad and I was like, well, I want to be a nurse in the military. So I got to get my nursing degree. And so there's people that I've worked with and you can go get your associates and you will get paid almost the same as a bachelor nurse, but you can go for two years, not get a ton of loans and or debt at all, start working at a hospital and they will pay for your schooling. So they will pay because, you know, magnet hospitals and systems want to have bachelors, you know, of nursing for their, whatever their nursing future goals are. And so you can just get an associates if you want to really do nursing, work in the hospital and get paid almost equivalently and get your school paid for. And in the meantime, you can take that extra money from your check, start investing it and or saving it for a down payment that you only need, what, three and a half, five percent down on something. Plus they have all these, since COVID, they have all these like healthcare hero down payment options. And like, all, there's so many things out there that you can just Google like down payment assistance, healthcare. And, you know, there's so many different options out there. And so thinking like having that mindset shift that like you have to go to these amazing schools and take out $200,000, $300,000 in debt, I think at least from the nursing standpoint, isn't as influential in the workforce as it, you think it is. So you can just save so much money on the front end, do your research and be like, okay, cool. Like if I'm going to get paid the same as someone that's going to a four year, like why don't I just have them pay for my schooling? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. <laughs> totally agree. Um, if I could go back, I would have not done physical therapy school because mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm not, I'm maybe making a little more than nurses, but nurses have the advantage because if you're in the acute care and you work three twelves, okay, worst case, you can pick up a bonus and then you get a fourth shift, which really bump up your pay as a mm-hmm. PT. If I'm working five days a week and the clinic is, you know, <laughs> only open five days a week, I can't pick up bonus shifts. I, if I have right. to go, I'm going to have to go work for a home health or a, a sniff and work six days a week. And so it's a lot, it's mm-hmm. a lot tighter confines. It kind of caps your max earning potential. Um, so I definitely, right. definitely envious. My mom's a nurse, my sister's a travel nurse. So I'm envious of mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's super interesting too. Like, you know, not that many people talk about the after effects of like, oh my God, like, you know, I had a friend, like my best friend went to dental school and she luckily got it paid for by the air force. But like she had friends that were coming out of dental school with 400,000, $500,000 in debt. And you're like, when, how are you going to pay that? Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, you know what I mean? And I think it's the kind of mindset shift that it's, unless someone, unless you're surrounding yourself with someone that's talking about something else besides going to the best schools, like getting the best grades, like doing something that like you might like and love to do versus like, where can you invest the money in yourself and create a life that you're doing something that you really enjoy, you know, and not be drowning in all this debt and just like start investing it, start in real estate, find passive income streams that, that you enjoy, you know? So yeah, I think podcasts like this and like social media stuff like this is so important, especially for, for healthcare folks to just kind of have their eyes open and be like, okay, cool. Like there are other options, you yeah, know? Exactly. There's other options and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition. Like if you're a healthcare you know, professional and you love being a healthcare professional, then real estate can just allow you to work a little less. You don't have to yes. pick up that extra shift and maybe that can extend, you know, if you would have gotten burnout after four years. Well, you can work 10 years, 15 years if you want to, and you love it. And that's totally mm-hmm. fine, but it can kind of extend, yeah. extend what you're able to do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, even like, you know, I'm, I'm cash flowing probably about 650 bucks off my MTR right now. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, like we used to have bonus shifts in the ER that they're like, okay, cool. Come in for an extra 600 bucks. And you're like, sweet, this is awesome. And you go in and you're understaffed. You're just getting yelled at. Like it's a terrible shift. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, was that $600 worth it? And then you get taxed for it because you picked up too many bonus shifts and then you don't even get the money in the end like return. So it's kind of like, man, my like MTR passive income is so much better than like me going in, having to feel like I need to bring in more money. And so the only way is to pick up a shift or to, you know, find a second job doing something that I might not enjoy as much. So we can actually touch on that a little bit. When I was talking with Jessica, she actually brought that up. So she was saying, okay, for most people, if your primary job is not real estate, most of the income that you make is probably going to be tax-free because of the depreciation on the property. And we're not getting in the weeds of like tax stuff. But for most people, if you have a loan and you're getting rental income, it's probably going to be tax-free unless you're a bajillionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you actually need a lot less passive income compared to if you're getting your earned income because your earned income, you're always going to lose your Medicare, Social Security, and then depending on tax, right, you're going to lose your income tax on top of it. Then if you work bonus mm-hmm. shifts, you're going to get more tax on top of it. Right. So if you work and earn $600, you might you take home, I don't know, 300, 400 mm-hmm. versus that six, yep. 650 off the MTR. That's a real 600. Right. So people think like, oh, I need $10,000 a month in passive income 
um, to be able to retire, meet my goals. And it's like, well, are you sure? You might need $10,000 of earned income, like if you were working mm -hmm. a job, but you might actually only need $7,000 of passive income because of kind of how it balances right. out. So maybe that goal that people, the mental goal that people have of setting it really high may actually be more attainable um, than you think it is. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I remember nurses when, you know, we'd pick up shifts or they'd be like, okay, like I need to make sure that during this pay period, I only pick up this shift because if I pick up an extra one, then I'm going to be taxed more and then I'm going to lose more money than if I were to pick up and you're like, what me I like I wouldn't always pick up all extra shifts I was like let me just do something somewhere else but like the fact that kind of you think you're like okay cool I'm making so much more money because I'm picking these extra shifts up then you're getting taxed on the back end of it and you're like wait I only got 200 bucks for my $1,200 bonuses because of the tax bracket and all that sorts of stuff so it's just kind of like trying to utilize other platforms and other ways for you to kind of spend your time wisely versus kind of just burning yourself to the ground to think that that's the only way that you can kind of make income. And I think it's a great point where like, you know, t I think a lot of people are like, I need $10,000 a month because it's just like this arbitrary number. We're in a sense of like, if you just sit down and look at your budget and you're like, okay, cool. Like how much money would I need a month from real estate or passive income to live comfortably where I don't feel like I need to go to the job, but I want to go to the job or that I need to do this or do that. And so it's like, let's say it's 3000, 4,000 a month. Like that's a substantial amount for you to live comfortably. If you are doing PRN at a job you love or like getting a lower salary job that you enjoy. Um, that's just like my personal opinion. Cause I think sometimes people see social media and they're like $20,000 a month, $10,000 a month. And, and healthcare workers I mean, can be like, oh my I, need God, 50 I, have doors. I need a hundred yeah. doors. I need, it's like, what? what yeah. And it's like, here? you just need, you need that one door. And like, we need to talk about more, like just getting that one door and then you get your second door and then you get your third door. And then you just kind of start learning the process and you're like, okay, cool. Like in a couple of years, a few years, like I feel so much less stressed. I enjoy my job more. I'm helping more people. Plus I'm like doing something for myself, which I think is always endearing and, and great. Basically I would look at your budget and pick an expense, whether it's a car payment, health insurance, um, your, your, your mortgage or rent on your house, your internet bill, whatever, pick something and set that as the goal. I need an asset to replace that expense. So if you have a $500, you know, 400, $500 car payment, you say, I need an asset to cover that expense because guess what? That investment property is going to get you that cash flow long after you pay off that car. You know, if you have a three, four, right. five year car loan and you have an asset, it's going to make you money for 20 years. Okay, well, you can cover that that expense for three, four years, and then for the the next seventeen years, that's just gravy. Um, and so, really, I, I love what you yeah. said. Look at your budget and just pick something small and just try to target that small expense, and then that's much more realistic. To to it, it kind mm -hmm. of, I feel like it shortens the time from you know information to action, so you don't get analysis paralysis. <laughs> uh, if you set a much right. smaller right. goal of okay, how does this help me? What, what, yeah. what happened? I don't need $10,000 or hundred doors. I'm just trying to pay my car payment. Then that's, that yep. is a lot less uh, intimidating, I think, to start. Oh, I 100% agree. And like, it's cool because like the, I don't, th like I don't use any money from my income from my rental property in Tennessee. But like when I was furnishing my MTR property, I used the cash flow from my single family to furnish my MTR. So it was cool, like pulling out my card and I was like, oh, sweet. Like I can swipe this business card for my small, like my, you know what I mean? Like my, from my, in theory, 
reserves slash cash flow, not my reserves, but my cash flow on top of my rental property to pay for, you know, an extra bed frame or this and that in my MTR. And so I really didn't have to dig into like my personal savings. I was able to recoup the cash flow over two months from my, you know, uh, my other single family to make my MTR work. So that's what kind of like started like blowing my mind. Cause I was like, dang, this is how people do it. Like, man, they can just like live off this cash flow now. And so like, I wasn't really able, I didn't have to dig into the savings or pick up an extra shift to, to get a bed frame, to get a blender, to get a vacuum. I was like, oh, cool. Like I make 300 bucks a month off of this single family house. Like this is what I'm going to reinvest with. And then just kind of moving forward, the snowball effect of like, okay, cool. You know, all this stuff is awesome. Like it's been such a great conversation. Uh, so now that you were a nurse, start getting real estate, getting a little more momentum in real estate, got a couple properties. That's awesome. So now that you have all this free time um, that you've earned, your earned free time, mm -hmm. your passive income, uh, what are you kind of working on now? And who, who are you trying to reach out to? Yeah, I think um, I think I'm still like in that mindset of dabbling in a bunch of different things to try to figure out like, you know, where can I bring in extra money that brings me joy and happiness over doing something because it's delayed gratification and I need to do it because that's what everyone else tells me to do. You know, I think a lot of people are like, you need to have delayed gratification and you might hate what you're doing right now, but it's going to be worth it in five years. Like for me, that's not worth it. And so if I'm going against the grain, like so be it. But um, since I started getting into real estate last year, I made my social media page. I met like, I will say the number one thing that has helped me kind of gain momentum and start in real estate was really getting into social media and creating a platform, even though it's very small, like the number of people that I've met over the last few, like, I would say what, uh, 14 months have all been entrepreneurs, real estate investors, W2 workers that are trying to, you know, become more passive with their work. And so if you are not out there networking, if you're not out there making a social media content, like who cares if three people are watching what you're doing? Um, I think for me, it's played an instrumental role in getting the job that I'm doing right now in a sense of, you know, I'm working with a friend doing more kind of real estate remote work, online stuff. Um, that I would have never done five months ago if I hadn't started my, you know, networking, social media kind of thing. And so I think overall what I've learned and who I kind of want to reach and help is just, you know, other fellow healthcare workers and, you know, even W-2 workers or military folks that don't see anything outside of just working a job to live their life in a sense of when I was working in the hospital, you either had people that were trying to pick up extra shifts, trying to quit their job because they hated it, or, you know, like picked up an admin job because they were like, maybe that's the route I'm supposed to go. Oh, I'm going to go to nurse practitioner school or CRNA school because like, that's the route that I need to go. And I get more money. Like for me, like that just wasn't what I wanted to do. And like, no knock to anyone that's done it or is doing it. But I think that there needs to be another open conversation of like, there are other options than having to go admin route. If you hate your job, there are other options than going to school further because you think you're going to like be away from bedside. And so I'm really kind of trying to reach other, you know, healthcare workers just like you to kind of start the conversation of like, okay, cool. Like there is real estate investing. There are passive income streams, you know, like I coach a few, I do some nutrition coaching and health coaching for a few real estate investors. Cause that's kind of a fitness health kind of wellness thing that I love doing. So like, that's a little extra side gig that I do that brings in money that I work with real estate investors and other entrepreneurs that are super busy. So that's a, like an income stream. 
Um, I start doing like, I think social media, I've been doing some social media content help with other real estate investors and healthcare workers to just kind of help them get their story out a little more. And so just kind of, you know, I think as healthcare workers, we, we love helping people, right? Like you love helping people either way. Like, even though it's annoying, sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, like I hate this job. I think down deep down inside, we are, we like to help people. And so finding ways in other jobs that I feel like I'm being able to help people is, is really gratifying. And I think that's what I've had enjoyment with. And so I've been doing some kind of social media content work, especially through like AI and just kind of Instagram platforms of teaching other investors, like, okay, cool. Like, this is how you do content. This is how you can utilize AI. This is how you can do whatever within your business. And it's kind of also helping like healthcare workers connect with each other and kind of put their story out. So you can just can connect with other people just like you and I did. And so then you can kind of meet partners at networking sessions or like different stuff like that. So just kind of, I think overall healthcare workers that just are struggling to feel like they have nowhere to go, but up the management pole or whatever, you know? Um, and so I, I dabble in a few like passive healthcare, passive income streams here or there. Like I do some coaching, social media content stuff, real estate stuff online. I've got a few of my properties. So that's kind of what I'm working on, like in the moment right now. I feel like it changes every like couple months, but that's where I think I see myself going. And that's where I think I see like, you know, find what you are good at and find what you love and find kind of what makes money. And so like, if that all three kind of compounds together, then that's kind of where I'm exploring this year. Man, that is awesome. I think one clarification to make for people that hate their job and are looking for an out, I feel like there's kind of two mindsets there of, I don't like hard work mm. and this is hard work and I want out, that that is very different than I don't mind working hard, but I'm just not, my heart is not in what I'm doing. Yeah. Because the people that are just like, I want to quit. My job's too hard and I want to quit. And I'm going to go to real estate and make like a million dollars a year. Like real estate is not easy. It ain't going to work that <laughs> <And> way. <laughs> real estate is not a get rich quick strategy. Right. So, right. so if you're someone that's just like, man, I'm quitting. I'm going to go do something else. Like that's maybe not the people that we're trying to target with what we're doing that that, that we want to reach out right. to these people but you have to understand like there's a significant amount of back-end work and front-end work to acquire a property get it started and get it rolling to get that passive income like it's a, right. it's a lot of work <laughs> right um, I think it's a I think that's a sense. really great point that's a, such a great point. I think, I think initially when I got into real estate, I was like, okay, cool. I'm seeing all these social media people. They're saying I have X number of cash flow, And so they quit their job. And I was like, realistically, I knew I wasn't going to be able to cash flow off of like one property. Um, but I think also just understanding, like I, you know, did a lot of savings. I made sure I had three to six months of expenses paid up. I definitely knew that I was like, if I'm going to take this leap, I need to make sure that my housing expenses is covered because that's my biggest asset, right? Or my biggest hurdle with money. So I just kind of rented my MTR out and I'm being like living at my family's vacation house right now for free because like that's basically what I if that's what I have to do in order to lower my expenses and like get out of something that's going to help me with real estate in the long term and not like I can't live off my my $1000 a month cash flow right now. And I I think it's I think it's a very valid point to say that a lot of social media people probably aren't either, unless they're millionaires, you know, I think it took them years and years to get 
you know, if you think about it, you know, one house a year at 300 to 500 a month of cash flow, like that's going to take you a good amount of time unless you're doing different strategies. And so making sure that you're like, okay, cool. Like if I have a plan that I want to like either leave where I'm unhappy and, or make a change in my life, like look out for six, like six months from now, where do I have to be? So how much money do I have to put aside in a savings? What assets can I, like, can I sell my car? Can I get a cheaper car? Can I not get a loan payment? Um, maybe we don't go on a vacation this year and save a few grand. So like in six months, how can you set yourself up for positioning yourself into a better opportunity for you to get into real estate and to get passive income and not completely cold Turkey it? Because if you cold Turkey, it, especially going into real estate and having one property, like it's not going to work. Like just it's flat out not going to work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so it definitely needs to be well thought out. You got to have a plan. You need to have a team. Mm -hmm. You need to have a community of people yes. that can kind of help you like, like, here's the things you need to do. Hey, maybe this is a social media idea. Yep. Here are the things you need to do <laughs> before you quit your job. Right. Because, mm -hmm. and even if you're going to qualify for a financing or for a loan, yes. you need that W-2 income yes. to qualify, especially for your first one. Like sometimes if you yes. get a couple more, you can do like, you know, commercial and DSCR loans and stuff a little more creative where you don't need W-2 yes. income. But for your mm -hmm. first one, nine times out of 10, you got to show yep. those pay stubs. 100%. Yeah. To, to get in the game. Yes. 100%. So I'm, glad, I'm glad we we touched on that. Um so yeah, so you're so you're wanting to work. You're just trying to get the word out, spread awareness, network with people. Um, mm -hmm. Where can people find you? Are you on? It looks. I found you on Instagram. I don't know if that's where mm -hmm. you are the most. Yeah, yeah. Instagram's kind of where my jam is right now. Um, uh, my Instagram handle it's midshift underscore investor. It uh, it's owed to my first shift ever in the hospital was midshift. I was like 21 years old, working 3P to 3A in inner city DC. Ooh. Like took a took a bus to work, had to catch the Metro. Like it was all sorts of stuff. And so I was working mid shift last year as well in the ER when I kind of started it. And so that's kind of where I'm mostly at until I like figure other things out. I'm just kind of, kind of going to build a platform from there. And I, that's honestly where I've met every single person from my networking events, from different retreats, from different sorts of things, from BPCon, all sorts of stuff. Um, so that's been really instrumental and helpful. So if you're hesitant on like starting things or thinking no one's going to care about your story or thinking that like you have nothing to say, um, I would definitely challenge that limited mindset that you have and just get your story out there and start networking. Um, because, you know, the more that we can get the info out there to other healthcare workers and to other people that are looking to change it up, the better. I was stuck in that position for probably, probably about four years, <laughs> <laughs> probably since honestly, probably since I started PT school, like 2020, 2021, that is the exact boat that I was in. Um, I would, I'm someone that is always looking up and looking towards the future. And so I saw myself as a real estate investor in the real estate community looking up and I was like, okay, I've done nine deals. Mm -hmm. These people over here have 50 doors, a hundred doors. They're making $20,000. And I was like, man, I don't know anything. No one cares what's going on. Um, but I got into yep. a coaching program and I was speaking with him about real estate and he was like, you know, a shit ton about real estate. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't. He's like, bro, nobody knows this stuff. Like people right. will think if you have student loans, you can't get a mortgage. And I was right. like, wait a second. So I turned my focus back towards like where I had come from and like mm -hmm. my peers and my classmates. And I was like, I had a light bulb moment. This was literally only in maybe December 
mm-hmm. light bulb moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I do have a lot to offer and I do have a lot to right. say. I've learned a lot, even though I've only done, you know, nine deals, which is yep. a lot for a regular person, not a lot in the real estate world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we talked about it and you said that you've talked to other people about that imposter syndrome of mm-hmm. nobody cares about my story. No one cares about my experience. And that is a hundred percent false. That's a lie that we right. tell ourselves and keeps us on the sideline and it is excuse for not taking action. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I have absolutely gone through that <laughs> that transition right. Same. just mm-hmm. since December where oh wow and so now I can get on get on calls with people and be like all right this is what you need to look at and this is how you find the taxes and this is the insurance and this is how you run it through and they're mind blown and right just even doing that a couple times now I like have so much more confidence of oh may, oh maybe Maybe, maybe there is something to this. Maybe I can help somebody help, help that yeah. person. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so I love that you're trying to help people go through that like light bulb moment of, oh, okay. Someone will, someone does care. This can help one person. Right. No, exactly. Cause I mean, that's literally like how I literally, how I changed my life. Like last February. So at 14, 15 months ago, I knew zero people in real estate. No one, except for my brother. And from social networking and from meetups and from doing stuff online and being like, this is my story. This is what I'm trying to do. This is my personality, which I think is also very important. Like then, you know, the sky's the limit in a sense of like, just put yourself out there. People will find you endearing. And if they don't, then they're not your people. You know what I mean? And that's cool. Like get them out. But it's like, you know, the, the, just like in real estate too. Like if you feel like you don't know what you're doing, like you get your first house then you get your second house and you get your third house and you're like, Oh wait, cool. Like now I feel way more confident and I can snowball and this might be going somewhere. And so like showing someone something on social media or showing someone how to find taxes or showing someone how to analyze a deal. They're like, wow, you're so smart. And you're like, what? Like, this isn't a big, like, this is my everyday thing, but it's, it's so meaningful to other people, especially if they're in healthcare or especially if they're in somewhere that they have, like, are trying to get where you are, you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's very instrumental, like, just like you said, like to look at your peers and people behind you as well, instead of always looking at like a head to be like, how can I be like these people? It's also, you know, you got to look back and be like, how can I help other people come along the journey as well? Yeah, I think I think that keeping your focus more on okay, where are my peers at? Like if I think about my classmates in PT school, 100k plus in loans, they're all paying rent. None of them have houses. They have no cash flow, no net worth. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, like like where I am compared to where they are is like a huge difference. And then compounding, mm-hmm. we did travel contracts, so I already paid off like twenty thousand in loans just from doing a year and change of travel right. contracts and. Yeah, like looking at your peers and looking at helping how you can help people get to where you are. I think that really kind of narrows down. Just like we talked about, you don't need 10,000 doors and 100 doors, like just pick one expense. It's the same thing. It's just like narrowing yeah. mindset and expectations on yourself. 100%. And the best way, the best way you get better at doing something is by doing it. <laughs> just do it. You got to take you're action. Not, you just got to do it. And you're be not good at running and you want to get better at running. <laughs> There's no way to do it except running. Like you can go get yep. the best shoes and you can get the, the yep. outfits and you can download the heart rate monitors and you can get the apps, yep. and you can get the programs and you can join a run club and you can go to mm-hmm. a 5K and you can sign up and get the teach. Unless you are actually running, it none of it matters. Right. Um, yeah. I heard this. I heard something very similar on a podcast where they were, this guy was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I wanted to get into swimming because I want to do a triathlon. He's like, I read all the books. I put all, I bought all the fins for my hands. I did all this stuff. And he's like, I never got in the pool. He's like, so I could know everything that I need to tell you about swimming 
but like if I hopped in the pool right now, I couldn't show you how to swim. You know what I mean? And I was like, light bulb moment in a sense where like that's exactly exactly what analysis paralysis is in a sense where like you just have to dive in and get into it and be cool with making mistakes because you're going to but it's better to like make imperfect actions than like wait to be perfect because you're just never going to be perfect and you're never going to get where you need to go absolutely and so that's where that's what i'm trying to build out and create is okay you're someone that's <laughs> you're buying the shoes you're buying the fans you're getting <laughs> the goggles you're reading the books you're looking at the water you're dipping yep. your toes in so i'm trying to build a community of a lot of those people some people in the pool some people out of the pool and yeah. and how could we shorten that that information to action time how can we shorten right. and help people be what more do you what do you see as like the biggest hurdle or the biggest number one thing that people struggle with to like make that shorter so far? What have you kind of seen? People watch the regular news for regular people. <laughs> the housing market's crashing. Interest rates are never going away. Inflation's out of control. Now's the worst time to buy. The housing market's... And so like, I feel like right now people are just getting bad information. The biggest thing is to find a person to connect with. So like you said, go into local in-person meetups, finding people on social media, because when you find a person and you talk to a person, it's actually doing the thing. Mm -hmm. They give you so much better advice. Right. Um, and so I think the biggest first hurdle is not knowing enough people. If you don't know right. anyone who does real estate and you don't have anyone to ask questions or bounce ideas off of, then that's going to be a huge barrier to entry, I would say. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. I mean, I probably, I joined the rookie boot camp for bigger pockets. Like when it first came out, cause I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like maybe I'll get a house at the end of this. I mean, I ended up getting a house after end of it because I was like accountability and there's people that are actually showing me that it's possible to do it versus like flipping through social media or watching interest rates and having people at work being like, Oh, guess what? Like, did you invest in crypto or did you do this? And I'm like, these aren't the people I want to like surround myself with. And I want to have different conversations. And so if you want to have conversations that are not regular versus, you know, like talk, and especially I think as healthcare workers too, I've noticed since being in real estate and kind of stepping outside a little bit, when I go to meetups and meet up with my old friends from healthcare, all we talk about is work. And you're like, are all I talk about is the patients that happen doctor in this or like this patient was crazy or listen to this story and like you know I love it but I, I feel like there's needs to be like there's something really great I heard like 30% of people need to be like 30% of people in your life need to be people behind you in a sense of like you're trying to mentor and teach you need 30% of people who are on your social level to like be friends and have fun with and all sorts of stuff and then you need like a 30% of people that are pushing the limit way more than you are. So you can learn and like grow from them so you can push yourself. And so if you're surrounding yourself with just your healthcare people, just your coworkers, like I would guarantee I would put money on it that you are not going to be successful in something else besides that. And so, you know, I think the cliche, like your network, network, there's your net worth thing in a sense of get outside of healthcare folks and or find healthcare folks that are doing something that you want to do and or find a person, like you said, that has done what you want to do. And it just opens up your eyes like 360 and you're like, what have I been missing? You know what I mean? Um, that was a huge thing for me. And I think that's, that's a huge hurdle that I think is easily overcome through like literally reaching out through social media, through local meetups, through just DMing someone and be like, yo, can we get on a call real quick? You know yeah, what I mean? So many, and so many people, so many people at different, no matter what the level now, especially post COVID, you can click and message people. Yeah. 
you don't you don't even have to physically go to a conference or you don't have right. to fly across the country to meet. I mean, you can click here and get it on Zoom call. And yep. yeah, it's so, I don't know. That's one of my favorite posts, post-COVID, you know, a lot of things are wrong, but the, the, it right. just shrank the world, like the distance to get from person to person. I mean, you can find people so yeah. much faster. 100%. Um, yeah. So this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you taking, taking time out of your jam-packed days Absolutely. at the, in the lake house. <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> to talk to us about real estate. I definitely think for, if you'd be interested in like doing this again at some point, I definitely think we could discuss um, military reserves, maybe even like active duty, like that process of like, you know, that whole process for physical therapists, it's a commissioned officer path. I'm curious what it is for right. a nurse and kind of that the VA loan is so powerful because you need no money. Yeah. And so if you literally did or active duty to get TRICARE and a VA loan, that would make it worth yeah. it. Um, and so we can probably, right. we can probably right. make a whole thing about that um, in the future. So yeah, yeah. no, for sure. No yeah. doubt. Now my $50 TRICARE a month and my VA loan really has helped, like helped me the last few years for sure. You know? Yeah. Cause you turned your 0% down into 650 a month. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like an infinite ROI. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's crazy. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. We'll sign cool. off here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks.